Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that is teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth to his flesh shall the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall the Spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are the household of faith. Tonight, I'm just going to talk about the conduct of a spiritual man. Conduct of a spiritual man. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity we have to assemble together. Thank you for your word and the encouragement, the challenge we receive from it, the promises that we can rest in, and knowing that they are yea and amen. And I pray tonight, so looking at the word of God again, that you'd encourage our hearts and challenge us in, uh, in our walk with you. And may you be glorified and may we be helped. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, every person is in one of three categories. Now, you could narrow it down to two, either saved or lost, but in the saved group, you could put two categories, according to the Bible. They're spiritual and carnal. You know, Paul said in, in the writing to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he said, are you not carnal and walk as men? Now, he was talking there to Christian people. And, and he called them also babes in Christ. Uh, you know, in, in Galatians 5.25, it says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. You know, if a person says, that, says they're living in the Spirit, there ought to be a walk that's an obedience to God. That's really what Spirit-filled living is. It's not something I'm, I'm carried away by ecstasy of, you know, or some grand feeling. That's not, that's not being in the Spirit. Being in the Spirit is walking in obedience to God. That's what a spirit-filled life is. Uh, and so as we as consider that tonight, a spiritual person, and I want to look at several things here. I think I actually have seven. Um, a spiritual person, first of all, challenges others to restoration or growth. Verse 1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. The word fault means an error or a defect. It's a trespass or it's an offense. Uh, it can be a transgression or a fault. But we're commanded here to, to restore, to endeavor. We are to endeavor to store one who has been overtaken in a fault. Uh, in a fault. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12, you know, and we're to do this, of course, considering ourselves, lest I also 
we also be tempted. You know, 1 Corinthians 10.12 gives us a warning there. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. So we need to have this mind. You know, a spiritual person has this mindset of helping others in their walk with the Lord, in their growth in the Lord, and in correcting faults, defects, trespasses against the Lord, or offenses against man. You know, and they may not even be aware of it. You know, if you have grown in the Lord any length of time, you know in your own life that there are things you're aware of now that are not right that you were not aware of some time ago. It's called growth. And so, and all of us, you know, go through our, our you know, um, if we're growing, have that experience. And, and the spiritual person endeavors to help those, you know, you know a... a, a uh, to help those in those situations. Uh, James 5 and verse 16. James 5 and verse 16. Uh, The Bible says there, Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And... Uh, the word healed here means to be restored to a sound state. Restored to a sound state. To have your way corrected, if you will. So, you know, it's, it's somebody encouraging you to do what's right. And if somebody encourages you to do what's right, you know, at first it may be, you may be a little ruffled by that. But, you know, a spiritual person will consider it. Always consider it. Look at Psalm 141, verse 5. Psalm 141, verse 5. And this is, again, one of those things that sets David apart from others, many others. You know, being a man after God's own heart. You know, again, David wasn't perfect by any means. But, but again, some of the things that, that David exemplified in his life uh, demonstrate this this heart for God, this heart of humility. Psalm 141 verse 5 says, Let the righteous smite me, it shall be a kindness. And let him that reprove me, it shall be an excellent oil, which shall not break my head. For yet my prayer also shall be in their calamities. So, you know, he says the righteous smite me. Now, that's a pretty strong word. Uh, but he says, if the righteous man smite me, it shall be a kindness. It'll be a kindness. Uh, if he reproves me, it'll be an excellent oil. In other words, because the idea here is, look, if I'm doing something that's wrong and a righteous person smites me or corrects me or reproves me, that's, a, again, another strong word, the idea of rebuke, and, and it changes my course, it will be result in something that's helpful in my life. It'll be an excellent oil, he says. Like an excellent oil. Something, you know, oil is something that people put on to, to uh, enhance their countenance. And, and so this is like, an, it'll, it'll help uh, your relationship with the Lord and your relationship with people. And so a spiritual person challenges others in their walk with the Lord. Secondly, a spiritual person 
bears others' burdens. The idea here is to come alongside. You know, burden, verse 2 says, bear you one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, burden is defined as something that's troublesome. It can be a weight, a heavy weight that you bear. And somebody that's spiritual will endeavor to come alongside and help you bear that weight or bear that trouble. You know, Abraham, Abraham was one who helped with Lot and delivered Lot in Genesis chapter 14. Uh, We know that he delivered Lot. It was a sacrifice for Abraham to do that. He was not enriched by it. And yet, you know, it cost him time and work. And to bear another's burdens does take time, does take effort, does take work. But it it brings blessing of the Lord. And it's commanded by God. Let's look at a couple of verses here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in verses 25 and 26. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, talking about the body of Christ, which is the church. In 1 Corinthians 12, and verse 22, says, Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that, and here's the important part, but the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. So he's talking about here the idea of sharing or bearing one another's burdens and also sharing or rejoicing together one another's blessings. You know, this is again brought out in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And, of course, Paul, who's writing this under inspiration, you know, he, he was an example of this as well. 2 Corinthians 12, 28, he talks about all the care of the churches. They were a weight to him, and he, he helped bear the burdens there of the churches. But in Ephesians four fifteen and 16, it says, But speaking the truth in love... You know, and he's talking here about the church. Speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head even Christ, from whom the whole body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So, so you know, each member is a part of the body. And, and you know... You may be this 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 joint, and the other may be this joint, and you know, and 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 but all the joints and the parts need to work together. They need to rejoice together. They need to mourn together. They need to bear another, you know, and 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 uh, uh, bear one another's burdens, so that so that the, the the needs are supplied according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. 
So it makes increase of the body of the edifying unto edifying of itself in love. You see, when we bear one another's burdens, we are edifying. We're edifying one another. And of course, a church is a body made up of people. And each needs to do their part. Sort of like a ball game. You know, I read some years ago about, in a, uh, I think this was the uh, Call to Glory. I think that was a little paper that put it, was that put out for some time, and maybe still is. Anywhere, there was a, a little article called, Who Lost the Game? It goes, quote, Is retired stewards and a man be found faithful? 1 Corinthians 4.2. A baseball team played a game of baseball. Just as the umpire was saying, batter up, the catcher of the home team arrived and took his place. The center fielder didn't arrive until the end of the first inning, and the second baseman didn't arrive until the second inning. The first baseman didn't show up at all, but later sent his regrets and said that he had to go to chicken dinner at Aunt Mary's. third baseman likewise failed to come to the game, having been late the night before and wanted to spend the day in bed. The left fielder felt the need to visit another game across town. The shortstop was present but left his glove at home. Two of the substitute fielders were away on a little weekend trip and couldn't make it, but they were there in spirit. Verily, when the pitcher went into the box, he looked around for his teammates, and lo, his heart was heavy, for the places were empty. They announced the game, and the visitors were in the stands. The pitcher tightened his belt, stepped into the box, and did his best to put the ball over the plate. He was not at his best, for he had to serve as pitcher, first baseman, third baseman. Loud boos came from the stands while the team was badly beaten. When the absent members of the defeated team heard that their team lost, they decided to get a new pitcher. But who lost the game? See, we need to bear one another's burdens. You know, Moses and Aaron worked together. When, when, when the Amalekites attacked Israel, God said you t- to Moses, take, go up on the, the mountain and hold out your rod. But Moses' hands waxed faint. So Aaron and her sat in front of Moses and held up his hands, and Israel prevailed. So they bore one another's burdens, so fulfilled the law of Christ. Thirdly, the spiritual person considers nothing of himself. Notice again, if you will, in verse 3. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Himself. You know, I appreciate Brother Howard's testimony saying, you know, it's not me. I'm just a conduit through whom the Lord speaks. The Spirit of God has to do the work. You know, He can give the best and most persuasive presentation of the gospel, but if the Spirit of God does not convict and she does not yield to it, nothing's going to happen. Nothing will come of it. See, it's not us. It's not about us. Again, it says, For a man thinketh himself to be something when he is nothing. I know that's not a very self-esteeming message. But it's not about us. You know, we're just kind of like water boys. Just carrying the water. 
of the word. You know, Job was considered a man that feared God. He was righteous, feared God, and eschewed evil. What a pedigree, declared by God. And he said, I'm worming no man. John the Baptist, the greatest man born of woman, Jesus said. And he said, he must decrease, I must. Or he must increase, I must decrease. Isaiah was a great prophet of God, but he said, woe is me. Paul said, I am the least of the apostles, the chief of sinners. You see, we must not think, you know, and all these verses have this, bear this idea. Verse 1 says, We're to consider thyself, lest I also be tempted. Uh, Romans 12 and verse 3, you know, the Bible warns us of this over and over again. Romans 12, verse 3, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So you have faith in God. If you have what you consider great faith in God, thank God for it. It's not because of you. It's because of Him. God has revealed Himself to you. So, we're not to think of ourselves. You know, it's, it's not you know, being, being, you know, when we are controlled by our emotions or experiences, it's a focus on self and, and what others think about us. That's really a selfish mentality. You know, the psalmist said in Psalm 62, when I am overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Now, it isn't that you don't get overwhelmed. But he says, when I am overwhelmed, lead me to the rock. That is higher than I. You know, it's not we're not envious of the praise of others. We're willing to sacrifice self, our own wants, our own desires. You know, somebody has said that that joy is spelled Jesus, others, and you. In that order. And of course, Philippians chapter two. Verses 1 through 4 would bear that principle. If there be any, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill you my joy that you be like minded, having the same love, being of one accord of, love, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And then he goes on and says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You need to have this out of because this was the mind of Christ. He didn't think anything of himself. He didn't consider himself. Because, you know, when we start considering ourselves, we are going to be tempted. That's what verse 1 says. When we start considering ourselves, we're going to say, Oh, I can handle this. You been there and done that? I have. And it flopped. You know, Abraham was the one that was greatly blessed by God. 
And he gave Lot the choice of land. He didn't seek his own. He didn't say, now, wait a minute, Lot. I'm the eldest here. I should have preeminence. I mean, if Lot was a considerate person and nephew, he would have said, you know, Abraham, you're the elder. I should be following you. You should get the best of the land. But he didn't. But Abraham didn't require it. Which again shows that Abraham didn't think highly of himself. More highly than he ought to think. He expects nothing given to him. A.W. Tozer said this, the truly, quote, the truly spiritual man is indeed something of an oddity. He lives not for himself, but to promote the interest of another. He seeks to persuade people to give all to his Lord and ask no portion or share for himself. He delights not to be honored, but to see the Savior glorified in the eyes of men. His joy is to see his Lord promoted and himself neglected. He finds few who care to talk about that which is the supreme object of his interest. So he is often silent and preoccupied in the midst of noisy religious shop talk. For this he earns the reputation of being dull and over-serious. So is avoided and the gulf between him and society widens. He searches for friends upon whose garments he can detect the smell of myrrh and aloes and cassia out of the ivory palaces. And finding few or none, he, like Mary of old, keeps these things in his heart. Unquote. You see, a spiritual man does not consider himself. Fourthly, a spiritual man, person, rejoices does rejoice in what God is doing through him. Verse 4, But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Now, to think nothing of yourself doesn't mean you don't do anything. It just means you're not the focus. You see, if you're really going to help people in their walk with the Lord, come to know the Lord, and in their walk with the Lord, you've got to point them to the Lord, not to yourself. You have to defriend them, yes, so they will listen to you. But you've got to point them to the Lord. You know, I appreciate what Andrew said I think it was last Sunday about his testimony, you know, and the guy saying there's too many hypocrites in church. So he pointed him again to the Lord by using his own example of his own life. But again, he pointed it back to the Lord. Yeah, that is true. But you know, the Lord can change that. You see, it, it doesn't mean, you because know, really the less you point to yourself, the more you're going to point to the Lord. The more emphasis you'll put on the Lord. And it will prove your own work. Now, proving your own work takes time. You know, if you plant a garden, it takes time to get fruit from a garden. And it takes work. You got to hoe, cultivate, pull weeds, maybe spray for bugs, 
You know, there's lots of things. Fertilize. You know, whether you use commercial fertilize the easy way or go and get manure and, you know, spread it on yourself, you know, it's, it, it, it takes work. And after the work, then there's the fruit of your labor, the proof of your work. And so, uh, it does mean we work. We work. Witnessing, giving out tracts, talking to people about the Lord, encouraging others in their walk with the Lord. Just as Aaron and her aided Moses, uh, Paul and Barnabas, you know, Paul, who, you know, he had his missionary journey, you know, they, they, they labored in the Lord. Paul and Barnabas labored in the Lord, and Luke and Silas and Timothy and, 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 and all these, they worked together and they labored. And in time, they saw fruits for their labors. Churches were planted. That's why we have the book of Galatians. You know, there were churches in the area of Galatia that he wrote to. Ephesians, the church at Ephesus, church at Corinth. And so, so, you know, and Paul was able to rejoice in what God was doing in, in, uh, through him. In fact, and look, look in uh, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. <clears throat> 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. I'm sorry, chapter 2, verse 19. For what is our hope, or joy, or crown of rejoicing? Are not ye, even ye, in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at at His coming? For ye are our glory and joy. You are a joy. You are our rejoicing. Uh, And so, you know, you ought to rejoice in, in what the Lord is doing in your life. Prove. Your own works. Prove your own works. Fifthly, a spiritual person realizes that he must answer for himself. Verse 5. For every man shall bear his own burden. And I believe the idea here is that we are accountable to ourselves. Though it's good to have others bear our burdens with us, yet we are going to be accountable for how we bear our burdens, our trials, our tests. And we, we go through, as you know, we go through many trials and tests in life. And they're allowed for a reason. To perfect us. Romans 14, 12. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciousness. You see, we have to all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that every one of us will receive what we have done, for what we have done. 
whether it's good or whether it's bad. And that word bad there really means, it doesn't mean wicked or evil. It means useless, of no value. It's vain. You know, you can do things in ministry that are useless. I often said it's, if it's not done in the Spirit, it's useless. For Jesus said, without me you can do nothing. It's the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. So if you do the work of the Lord in the flesh, it is useless. It's evil. That's, that's, that's the word here. It's evil. So we all have to give an account for ourselves. You know, of course, this, this, uh, this accounting is described for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 in more detail. Uh, in verses 11 through 15, where it says, Other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Christ, Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble... Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Now, I've illustrated this before. You know, gold, silver, and precious stones are purified by fire. They're made heavier more solid, of more worth. Wood, hay, and stubble, you can have a giant pile of wood and a little wee pile of ashes left. And hay and stubble, you can have a huge pile of it and almost nothing left. You know, I think we're going to be shocked someday. And the Lord starts judging works. Some of these mega churches, these big churches, and I'm not talking about the contemporary ones. I'm talking about ones that call them fundamental, call themselves fundamental. And they start being tested by fire. I wonder how much is going to be left when it's all said and done. You see, we are going to be judged of what sort our work is. That means the idea there is what kind, what quality, not the quantity. God's not impressed with quantity. He's more concerned about the quality. He's more concerned about the quality. Tozer again said, I read this today, I thought this was kind of, it's not funny, but it's often true. Quote, to be right with God has often meant to be in trouble with men. Unquote. So, a spiritual person realizes he must answer for himself. Must answer for himself. You know, pastors are going to answer for how he pastors. Church members are going to answer for how they listen. 
you know, sometimes some church members ought to quit listening to who they're listening to and go someplace where they can listen to somebody that preaches truth. Sixthly, takes the things of God seriously. Notice again verse 7. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Proverbs 14 and verse 9. Proverbs 14 and verse 9. The Bible says, Fools make a mock at sin, but among the righteous there is favor. You know, I think it's kind of a sad thing when Christians joke about spiritual things or make light of spiritual things. I think it's unwise. I think it shows an irreverence for the things of God. Uh, You know, Samson took his Nazarite vow lightly. He didn't take it seriously. He didn't take it seriously. It was almost like a toy with him. Or a good luck charm. He took it, took it for granted. You know, we, uh, you know, I've seen people singing and heard people singing in the congregation and they sing funny or they try to make, you know, funny sounds while they're singing. And it's kind of making a mockery of the hymns. You know, we need to take the things of God seriously. Um, you know, Titus 2 tells us that we are to be sober. That is, that is serious-minded. You know, and I'm not saying we need to be um, sad and have long faces and all that, and we can't have joy. That, that's not what I'm talking about. But we need to take the things, you know, we take the things of life and death seriously because it is a serious matter. And he tells us in Titus 2 that the aged men be sober, the aged women likewise. They teach young women to be sober. And the young men likewise, to be sober-minded. In other words, take the things of God seriously. You know, if you take the things of God seriously, you're going to consider your ways. Because your ways are before the Lord. And then lastly, a spiritual person works for a spiritual harvest. Verses 8 and 9. For he that soweth to the flesh shall the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall the Spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are the household of faith. Again, if you're working for a spiritual harvest, it's, you know, it, it, it's like gardening. It's like you know, a farmer. He plants, he waters, he nourishes, he tills the ground. It's consistent, continual, diligent work and effort. 
You know, anything you're going to accomplish in life is going to require work. You know, I don't consider being on welfare accomplishing anything. It's just living a life of stealing. That's all it is. Put it bluntly. Now, if you're going to accomplish anything, if you're going to, if you're going to do well in anything, you have to put out some effort. You have to put out some effort. Work requires preparation, whether you're a contractor, a mechanic, or whether you, you raise birds, or, or you work at the city of Raleigh. If you're going to excel, you've got to put forth some effort. And not just, oh, I'll just do what I have to do to get by. That's so much of the world. They do what they have to do to get by, and they don't really care about anything, anyone else's things. They only care about themselves getting a paycheck. No. If you're going to work for a spiritual harvest, you've got to put forth some effort. You have to labor for the Lord. He says, be not weary in well-doing, for in due season ye shall reap, if we faint not. Will you ever want to quit? Yeah, you will. I remember sitting in a pastor's fellowship years ago and I was just you know, very young in the ministry and there's this old guy sitting there who'd been in the ministry 50 years and everybody thought was a faithful man and uh, they had a guest speaker, an evangelist, and he said, he said, you ever want to quit? And this old guy was sitting beside me. So I heard him very clearly. He said, yeah, every Monday morning. <laughs> you know, we can have a good day, I feel like, in the Lord's house on Sunday, and Monday morning, I feel like. That's flesh. So don't think your preacher can't get in the flesh. No. He says, Let us not be weary in well doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I remember Brother Forney saying that many can't handle ministry in the Arctic circles where you have to wait for those people to get saved. Could you imagine being where Chris Shaw is, preaching the gospel over and over and over again and waiting Years for the salvation of a soul. Ed and I just went to Burma. What was it, seven, seven years, eight years? Before he saw his first convert. But till he died, there were thousands. There were thousands. See, let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Your ministry, a spiritual person is in it for the long haul. What we call the long haul. And that's what ministry is. 
It's sowing, it's watering, watering, and watering, and eventually reaping. But God wants us just to continue to be faithful, to continue to to labor for the Lord, to be spiritual. The story is told in southern Scotland there were poor, pious parents, unknown to the world, but that they gave to the world Robert Moffat. Pioneer missionary to Africa 50 years before Livingston. The great, what was considered the great Robert Moffat. See, a spiritual person will sow, he'll water, and wait on the Lord for the increase. Years ago, we were in he runs with Canada for a year. We had a lady visit our fellowship. It wasn't really a church. Trying to get a church started. Anyway, she visited a couple times and I went to see her. Her name was Faye Wagner. First time I went in to see her, we sat down in a little dinette area like, and her husband came in. He walked I introduced myself to him. He walked by and went into the living room. He said almost nothing to me. I don't know if it was on the first visit or the second one, but anyway, he was in the living room. I do remember that. And I was talking to his wife at this table. And he said something. Of course, I lived out in this campground, and there was wildlife. And he said, You jacking any deer out there? Now, for those of you who don't know what that is, that means you take a spotlight and you shoot deer at night. Poaching. That's what he meant. Well, that, I immediately got up and went into the living room. And so we talked a little bit about that. And I visited him probably four or five times. Like I said, we were only there 11 months, something like that, a year. So I visited him four or five times, and I witnessed to him And honestly, I didn't think I got more than three holy grunts in response. He really didn't say anything. He didn't respond. But I gave him the gospel. I don't know how many years later it was. One of the people from that fellowship, I think, called us or wrote us and said, Did you hear about... Basil Wagner. That was Faye's husband. That was his name, Basil. They joined a church, a Baptist church up the road, and Basil got baptized. And when he gave his testimony, he said, Jason Byler gave him the gospel. He never responded to me. He didn't need to, because it's not me. You see, we just need to be faithful. Just need to be faithful. Be spiritual. Sometimes it gets discouraging, but we just need to be faithful in our work for the Lord.